Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. It is a Monday. It is April 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortelaro with you up until noon today. Let's reset the scene with today's poll questions here. And the first one gets started with the NBA and the Phoenix Suns. Should the Suns prefer the Clippers instead of the Warriors in the first round of the NBA playoffs? The Suns will face the Clippers uh, in round one sometime on Sunday. Oh, and uh, correct. well, I should Go mention ahead. what the masses are up to. The masses are on the yes side of things at 78% of the vote. No sitting at 22%. Yeah, and uh, we'll find out a start time once uh, you know the play-in round is complete. I assume that's how what the delay of the starting time is. That's, that's pretty sure about that. I think we were correct in assuming that they were going to play on a Sunday because uh, usually uh, the first round of the playoffs or most rounds of the playoffs, if it's a Saturday or Sunday preference, uh, you know they try to have the, the teams that have the the better television ranking uh, ratings and. Uh, the Suns certainly fall into that category now after the Kevin Durant trade. Uh, yes, they definitely do. And oh, maybe, I don't know, they're the second team in L.A., right? But it's still an L.A. market? That's true. It's, uh, I'm sure they would prefer the Lakers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, And they prefer the Paul George's playing. But, uh, yeah, it is a Los Angeles market. That's true. Even though... I'm still not real sure. It'd be interesting if we were doing talk radio in LA. I'd be curious how much Lakers talk we had as opposed to Clippers talk. Like no matter what, it's going to be more Lakers talk. But I wonder how much more. We'll answer that question around 11:30 and toss it on over to our Twitter poll question at KDUS AM 1060. Is the D-back starting pitching good enough to maintain the team's hot start? And the masses continue to be out in front on the no side of things at 87.5 percent. Yes, trailing at 12.5 percent of the vote. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate question. I mean, they did a lot of good things over the weekend. Uh, I'm sure we're going to get into that a little more here in a couple of minutes. But, uh, you know, the fact that uh, almost everything they did, uh, at least through 10 games, a lot of it's been offensive generated. At least since they got home, it was offensive generated in the four-game series. Uh, at least after, uh, after you know, basically after the Thursday night game, it was un- unbelievable offense for three days. And, you know, record-setting numbers and a – you know, a series against the Dodgers and so forth. But, uh, you know, the pitching staff with Bumgarner not being good and you know, Kyle Davies going down with the injury, they've got some arms in the minor leagues uh, that, you know, it's kind of hard to judge their minor league numbers. A couple of those guys have not done particularly well so far in Reno, but the Pacific Coast League and especially pitching in Reno, that's not exactly uh, – Usually a formula for success if you're a you know, starting pitcher, relief pitcher, any kind of pitcher. 
Your calls today at 1115-602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to join the program. Let's stick here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They took three of four from the Dodgers to open up their season at home. It included an 11-6 and win yesterday. Ryan Nelson, six innings pitch, four hits, three runs, two walks, three strikeouts. At the plate, Corbin, Kel- Corbin Carroll, one RBI, but... In this series at home, four hits, three RBIs, and one home run. Yeah, they scored just a record-setting numbers I mentioned. They had 31 runs. Uh, they've scored uh, the Diamondbacks in the four-game series, and that actually per- surpasses a 29-run uh, series. And this was a four-game series. They scored the 31 runs. They actually had scored 29 runs in a three-game series against the Dodgers, but that was back in 2002. And obviously the Diamondbacks lineup, for the most part, uh, was still intact after winning the uh, World Series in 2001. So is this more to do with uh, a prolific batting lineup for the Diamondbacks or a little bit for the Dodgers uh, kind of falling off a bit with their starting pitching? Well, and their bullpen's a mess, which we talked about briefly last week. Uh, maybe a mess is maybe a strong word, but it, it's in flux. Let's put it that way. And certainly, I think at this time of the year, and uh, especially against with teams that had you know, guys pitching in the World Baseball Classic, uh, I think that the pitching staffs are already taxed. Uh, and uh, the Diamondbacks are a little different because of uh, you know the Davies injury and uh, you know Bumgarner maybe okay at best. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. But uh, not exactly, uh, you know, I think this is a difficult time, especially with the World Baseball Classic, throw that part in to really judge pitching staffs based on less than you know, two weeks of the regular season underway. So they're 6-4 and four to start the year. I think it's fair to say that everyone would have signed up for this with uh, the yeah. start to the season that they had. Four games on the road against the Dodgers, two games on the road against the Padres, and then four games at home versus the Dar- Dodgers. And to be 6-4, and four, uh, I know that there was expectations for this team to at least be uh, you know, 74, 75, 76 wins this year. Uh, but certainly just how this season started for them, the reliance on all of the young players everyone would have definitely signed up to be above 500 i agree with that and uh yeah i think the padres are kind of in the same boat to some extent you know obviously the diamondbacks uh, did okay they split the two games in san diego last week and then the padres got beat uh, thursday night when they went to atlanta in the first of a four-game series but then they won the next three games in atlanta and Atlanta's got a lot of injuries right now. I will certainly their pitching staff is not anywhere near what it want, they want it to be. Rotation, their you know bullpen situation is you know definitely not you know, what they anticipated because of more injuries. Uh, but still, the Padres winning those last three games in Atlanta and just blowing them away last night, especially impressive. So I think the Padres are pretty happy about their six and four start also. They continue the homestand, the Diamondbacks, in a three-game set versus the Brewers. Tonight, it's going to be Wade Miley for the Brewers, Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks, 6.40 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona. I know that you had thought, you know, obviously that Zach Gallen's first start against the Dodgers, uh, that that was more on him. His second start, maybe a little bit more on the defense. So overall, what are you hoping you can get out of a Zach Gallen's start tonight? Um... 
considering you know, the bullpen status of every team, as I just mentioned, and the Diamondbacks, you know, certainly you want to get uh, – and Nelson did a good job yesterday. He you know, pitched with the lead, and uh, I think he pitched uh, partly, and uh, they kind of uh, – when you get a lead like that, it's a whole different deal for a pitcher if you've got a cushion as opposed to you're wondering if your next pitch is going to put you behind in the game or put you further behind in the game if you're already trailing – so, but he did a really nice job yesterday as far as you know getting through and uh, you know putting them in good position for these three games against Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee's they have been a surprise to some. Uh, Cor- Corbin Burns hasn't been good. He's pitching here tomorrow night. That'll be interesting. I'm sure the Brewers are very curious to see what happens with him. He's uh, struggled in his first couple of starts this year. Quite frankly, wasn't all that good in his last say ten or so starts last season. Uh, so we'll see what's up with that. Uh, as far as Gallon's concerned, uh, going against a Brewers team that you know lost on opening day uh, to the Cubs, but they've only lost one game since, and they just had a really good series at home against the Cardinals. Uh, so the Brewers, uh, they've gotten some really good production from some of their younger players, which I don't know if they were completely expecting. Brian Anderson, who they traded for in the offseason, has done a very nice job. In uh, right field some, and also now playing third base because of an injury uh, to Urias. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. But this is an interesting uh, matchup with two teams that uh, have played really well in the first two weeks of the season. So it should be a fun three days and uh, two night games, and I believe it's a Wednesday afternoon game for the uh, Brewers. And then uh, the Diamondbacks get to go to Miami, and uh, that ought to be good for the pitching staff because Miami's offense is abysmal. Uh, You are correct about that afternoon game on Wednesday. Let's just stay in the the, the NL here because you were talking about these Brewers. They are 7-2, and and the NL Central is kind of interesting because you have the Brewers at 7-2, the Pirates 6-3, the Cubs 4-4, the Reds 4-4, and and then the Cardinals 3-6 so far to get their season started. Yeah, the Cardinals pitching staff is a mess. I mean, they've got injuries. Obviously, Wainwright is... You know, their horse, and he uh, started the season on the injured list. They haven't gotten a whole lot of some of the other starters also. Uh, you know, they've uh, had the big controversy last week with, uh, you know, Marmol, the manager, and, uh, you know, O'Neal, uh, you, know, you know, bickering in the media, which is never a good thing. That's not a good thing. Deep, Usually those things happen like late in the season when like the dog days of August or something. And when you got a manager criticizing a player publicly, I never think that's particularly a good thing. Uh, but when you ha- that happens like a week into the season and then the player you know, at that point has to you know, respond because the media immediately goes to the player. And that actually went into like it was like a two or three day controversy. I'm guessing it's still a controversy in St. Louis. Hell, we're talking about it. We're in Arizona. Uh, And that's been uh, at the end of last week when all that stuff happened. Uh, So there's a there's a lot going on with the Cardinals. It seemed like before the season started that they were not necessarily etched in stone to win the division, but certainly were a solid favorite and considered by most to be the team that was going to win that division. Yeah, that was 
kind of my sentiment that I was thinking when you were talking about that, that there had been some, obviously, Yadier Molina retiring a little bit of the pitchers that they're counting on just aging. Now, obviously, Wainwright not uh, getting the start. He's starting on the injured list. But you still have Nolan Arenado. You still have Paul Goldschmidt. You still have some other important pieces. And maybe it is just a little bit about um, the, the prestige of the organization that gets them that pedigree to say, well, you know, they, they, they can still figure this out. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. You mentioned Molina. I think that that's made a huge difference. I mean, I can't imagine that there can be more of a difference than going from uh, Molina being your catcher and not just catching, but a receiver as far as, you know, you know, you know just you know, calling pitches and knowing a pitching staff to uh, you know, Contreras, who is not considered a good receiver, had problems with pitchers when he was uh, you know, the pitching staff when he was in Chicago. So that's one thing. The other thing is that Mike Maddox, the pitching coach, left. And there seems, I think that that's playing a role here, too. And Maddox went to Texas, and, you know, they, you know the Rangers, their, their pitchers right now are healthy. And as long as their pitchers are healthy, they're going to be pretty good. But I, I think that they miss both of those guys quite a bit. And uh, we'll see how they adjust. It's obviously 10 games roughly into the season. Uh, so, you know, it's the overreaction uh, you know, Monday part two, second Monday of the season. But uh, I think there's legitimate reason for at least wondering what the heck's going on with the Cardinals. Uh, then you toss it on over to the NL East. The Braves six and four, Mets five and five, Marlins four and six, Phillies three and six, and the Nationals three and seven. So we all expected the Nationals to not be great this year, but the Phillies uh, sitting there at three and six. Well, I think you got three teams here. All you know, the three teams that have a chance: uh, New York, Atlanta, and Philadelphia. They've all got significant injury situations early in the season. And I mean, significant. You know, whether it be with Diaz with the Mets, and they've had other pitchers go down with injury. Carrasco hasn't been good at all, and I think there's legitimate reason for concern about him. Uh, you've got Philadelphia, obviously, with uh, the Reese Hoskins injury during spring training, and he's out for the season. Uh, they've played, I've watched plenty of Phillies games so far. They've played really bad baseball too. I mean, they're, you know, not thrown to the right base and, you know, they made some base running gaffes and so forth. Uh, one of those yesterday, in fact, with Castellanos trying to score on a ball that got away from the infield, but not very far away from the infield. And, you know, he had no chance to score and got thrown out at home plate. Uh, so they just are not playing well. Obviously, Harper, they knew, was going to be out for at least the first a month plus of the season. So not too surprised there. The surprise is Atlanta, but, you know, they've got Iglesias, who's, you know, their closer. He's on the injured list. You know, they've had three starting pitchers that were considered to be guys that were going to be in their rotation. Uh, not necessarily at the start of the season in the case of Mike Soroka. But, you know, they've got three of their starters that have started on the injured list. You know, you know Wright has now come back. But, you know, so there are nobody in this – the, the teams that are good in this division this, – the three teams that are good in this division that have a chance to do something long-term, they're all beat up already and have significant injury issues. It sounds like the NBA <laughs> uh, without, the load man, without the load management term. Uh, over in the AL East, your Rays nine and zero are they? They are the only undefeated team that remains. Uh, Yankees six and three, Blue Jays six and four, Red Sox five and four, and the Orioles at four and five in that division. 
Yeah, as far as you know, my Rays, I didn't pick them to go to the World Series, but you know, my Rays nine and zero. They've played three, maybe the three worst teams in baseball. They're certainly in contention for that. Uh, three teams that uh, I'm hesitant to say that the Tigers are a last place team because they're in the same division as Kansas City, uh, but uh, they have played you know three really bad teams, obviously, uh, with you know the Tigers, Nationals, and then the Athletics. So yeah, at some point, uh, I predict they're not going to go. They're not going to run the table and go one sixty-two and zero. But you mentioned that division. You may, yeah, I'm, I'm guaranteed. <laughs> I can give me a prop bet on that, Kayla. Uh, you know, I, you know, we'll load up on that, no matter what the price is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, they're that division is uh, interesting. I mean, I don't think the Red Sox are particularly good. I mean, they, they certainly didn't look good at all until they played the Tigers over the weekend, and I believe they swept the Tigers in that series at Detroit. Uh, so I'm not believing in them. Not completely a believer in Baltimore. They have some very good young positional players. I don't believe in their pitching staff at all. Uh, the Yankees, or the Yankees, even though you know, they obviously have some starting pitching injuries of their own, uh, the team I just think is completely, I wouldn't say, I was going to say use the word bogus, but overrated, I'll use that word instead, would be Toronto. Uh, I don't believe in their pitching staff, which is what I thought before the season started. And yeah, 10 games in, I think that people don't believe in their pitching staff. Uh, and they still play not good defense. And their outfield defense is okay. But their infield defense, uh, unless you hit it to Chapman at third base, you have a pretty good chance of uh, reaching safely, so to speak. How about today? You have the Yankees versus the Guardians, Domingo Herman versus Shane Bieber. Uh, and obviously over there in that division, uh, the Yankees sitting at six and three. And then the Guardians for themselves are sitting at six and four in the AL Central. A little disappointed in the Guardians so far. Obviously, the Tristan McKenzie injury to the rotation has really kind of set them back a little bit. I understood that part. Uh, but, you know, they had some issues scoring runs last year, and they're having some problems scoring runs this year, uh, which uh, maybe shouldn't be a surprise, but I'm a little surprised. Josh Bell was one of their big free agent acquisitions, and uh, he did get a walk-off hit yesterday, but it was an infield hit and kind of a uh, – there was the word I should use the word bogus here. Uh, it really wasn't, uh, you know, it was just a play that was unable to be made by Seattle, and it wasn't, you know, just hit where the, you know, grand, ground ball, and just they weren't able to make the play, and that was the uh, winning run in the extra inning victory uh, yesterday in, in Cleveland. But uh, a little concerned about Cleveland's offense at this point. You know, and uh, Oscar Gonzalez, who had a really good rookie season last year has been a horrible, it's really been bad so far this year. And in fact, uh, against a right-handed pitcher yesterday, he didn't even start. Padres versus Mets, you Darvish, Max Scherzer, obviously major expectations for both of these teams, but the Mets uh, dealing with more injuries than obviously the Padres. Well, and Scherzer, obviously, I didn't even mention Verlander before he started the year on the injured list, but yeah, Scherzer's uh, had a couple of... Uh, questionable at best starts in fact the last one wasn't questionable he gave up it was home run derby by the brewers who we talked about playing the diamondbacks starting tonight uh in milwaukee uh so this is interesting and yeah darvish's first performance uh he he didn't start the first time around going back to that world baseball classic thing again obviously he participated for the winning 
you know, Team Japan, uh, and then he did not start this. You know, he he missed the first rotation spot because his arm strength wasn't built up. Faced the Diamondbacks last week, walked a ton of guys, uh, but the Diamondbacks really weren't able to cash that in with runs. The Diamondbacks eventually won that game last Tuesday in San Diego. So I'm very curious to watch this game tonight to see how both these starters who haven't got off to electric starts, see how they do tonight. Dodgers versus Giants. You mentioned electric starts, maybe not an electric start for Logan Webb. Julio Urias, though, has been pretty solid. Yeah, I have Webb in a fantasy league, so thanks for bringing that up. Appreciate that. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, you didn't know. But, uh, yeah, he actually was really good the first start at Yankee Stadium. He got he got he uh, gave up a home run to, to Aaron Judge in that game. And, yeah, he had 12 strikeouts in that game. So he's actually had some strikeouts. And then, uh, yeah, he was part of the uh, yeah, offensive explosion at Comiskey Park for the White Sox a couple of games last week against the Giants. And uh, he was part of that. Uh, who's pitching for the Dodgers tonight? I've missed that. Uh, Julio Urias. Oh, okay. He's their ace. Uh, and they need him to you know, do a lot of things tonight. They need to get some innings out of him more than anything, probably, because of what the Diamondbacks did to the Dodgers starting pitching in the bullpen here over the weekend. We'll get into your calls if you'd like to join the show. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll get into those on the other side of the break. We'll also touch on some news going on around the world of the NFL next. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays with you on this Monday, April 10th. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Eleven twenty-nine here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Off to the NFL we go. Adam Schefter reporting that at least six teams have inquired about trading up for the third overall pick for the Arizona Cardinals that currently hold that position. Um, I mean, that's good news that there's interest in that third overall spot. And I think at this point, they should really strongly consider uh, trading out of that spot because I think, as we have both talked about, there are a lot of holes and a lot of needs, and you're going to have to find a way to fill those holes and those needs with players. Absolutely. I mean, they're in a really good position here because, you know, it appears the first two quarterbacks are going to be in whatever order. And I know that, uh, you know, Young has actually overtaken uh, Stroud in some books and some sports books as the favorite to be the first pick, but it seems like those are going to be the first two picks. Cardinals picking third and, uh, if you want to uh, you know, get entice Indianapolis at four or somebody else to move up, if they want to try to get the whoever they think is the third best quarterback, that would be uh, you know I would, their business would be uh, rampant. I would think. I, I in fact I would go over six as to the number of teams that have at least called the Cardinals about the, that third pick of the draft. 
I think that's fair. Uh, and so that also helps if there's more than six or even if there are six that you can start to drive up the bargaining price. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, no doubt about it. And they're in a really good position with that. And they need to, as you mentioned, uh, you know, they've got roster spots pretty much in every line of the offense and defense for that matter. Uh, they need to get as many draft picks as humanly possible. And I think that they've had the right approach this offseason. They're not going to publicly tell you that they're like kind of starting over or starting from scratch, but uh, just based on what they have done so far by not uh, paying some of their better free agents who have gone elsewhere, I think that kind of uh, gives you an indication of the direction that they're headed. Uh, we see him sometimes at Suns games sitting courtside, but he won't be suiting up for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't think there was any interest, but I'm talking about uh, Obel, Odell Beckham Jr. It appears he is off to the Ravens. Uh, One-year deal, $15 million guaranteed and worth up to $18 million. Interestingly here, what I had originally heard was that OBJ was expected to meet with the Jets today and it was going to be quite a, a comprehensive meeting and there would be a physical and all sorts of things happening. And then seemingly out of nowhere, OBJ off to the Ravens. Yeah, maybe not out of nowhere because I saw on NFL Network this morning in their little three-hour block, which is uh, you know, I think currently repeating as we speak, but uh, they, uh, they, they had a chance to match the offer and, uh, that the Ravens gave him, and they did not. They just refused to match that offer. Fair enough. Okay, so for the Ravens here, uh, the Ravens have ranked last in the NFL in receiving yards by wide receivers in 2019, 2020, and 2022. So it certainly isn't a perception of how they are getting the ball down the field to wide receivers. It is backed up by metrics. The move bolsters the wide receiver room of Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, Devin Duvernay, James Prochet, and your guy, Andy Izzo. Isabella. Uh, so certainly uh, OBJ. If, That'll help you a lot. <laughs> OBJ will certainly, if healthy, because uh, that's the, the one question mark recovering from that ACL, if healthy, that'll help improve the wide receiver room. But now, um, does this help get Lamar back and excited to play with the Ravens? I have no idea. I mean, I don't, uh, I, you know, imagine, uh, you know, the Ravens even reached the point last week that at least DaCosta, the general manager, was, you know, he's done answering Lamar questions. I mean, I don't think Harbaugh has had a press conference in the last week or so. Uh, but, yeah, he seemed to be, you know, pretty uh, – uh, I've been amazed that he has not lost his temper or patience uh, in uh, being asked about Lamar all the time. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. As far as OBJ, I don't know if it really matters. You mentioned the metrics. And uh, in this case, the eye test and the metrics certainly uh, match. I mean, if you just watch you know, Lamar Jackson in his career, he's not great at throwing the ball outside the hash marks uh, or really down the field. In a lot of cases, it seems like he's gotten worse as far as throwing the ball down the field. And that's not all a receiver issue. Uh, yeah, they've had a couple of guys that can make some big plays. And, uh, you know, their current group last year wasn't good, obviously. But if you got Odell Beckham Jr., you know, big deal, you know, big part of his deal, big part of his game, I should say, is, you know, catching balls outside the hashes and making great plays. And, and you know, some of it is obviously run after the catch, which, you know, I think the Jackson is still good at that. But I, I'm curious to see how this actually fits or if it fits. 
Along those lines, so the, just where OBJ is at in his career, age-wise, health-wise, um, we obviously are talking about how his name and his pedigree bolsters this wide receiver room right off the bat. But is it also one of these scenarios now where um, a lot of the attention could be put on him? So is that going to open up anything else for someone else? Or is there not really a strong enough wide receiver number two to, to help kind of scheme up OBJ to be open? I think that's a good question. Maybe not necessarily on this case, though, because they do have Mark Andrews, and he certainly gets tons of attention. And uh, I've, I've gone blank and forgot the name of the uh, rookie tight end that they also brought in last year who was you know, somebody they had, yeah, actually had to pay attention to. Uh, but I think it uh, still just matters whether Lamar is accurate enough, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I do think there's uh, – Interesting dilemma here, and you know, I'm the guy that you know, you know, foolishly and, and now admittedly uh, said that as soon as the Rams signed at, uh, OBJ that their chances to win the Super Bowl were gone uh, because I didn't consider him to be a team player. And there's zero question that he had a whole lot to do with them winning the Super Bowl, not just winning before he got hurt during the Super Bowl. But, you know, he made some huge plays down the stretch. Remember, they were in a must-win situation for like three weeks. And he helped them enormously win those games to just get into the playoffs before they won the Super Bowl. One, you were thinking of Isaiah Likely as uh, the tight end for the Ravens. And two, that is correct. You're a hundred. Coastal Carolina, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're correct there, too. Uh, And two, you're 100% right on OBJ being such a difference maker for the Rams. And selfishly, I had some prop bets on him in the Super Bowl, and those were going to cruise to victory until. the, the knee injury was suffered. And, and so that obviously he's more upset about it than I am. Sorry about that. Uh, rarely have I been more dumb about any comment that I've made on any radio forum or even to friends or uh, you know anybody, not even friends. Uh, that, was, that was one of the dumbest comments I've ever made, as it turned out. Poll question time. It's coming up on the other side of the break. We'll dive into that. You still time to vote KDOS1060.com as well as on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. He is Bob Kemp. I am Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Poll questions are next. AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. 1141 here on KDOS AM 1060. It's Monday, April 10th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you, and it's that time to get into the poll questions. So let's talk some NBA as the KDOS1060.com poll question features the Phoenix Suns. Should the Suns prefer the Clippers instead of the Warriors in the first round of the NBA playoffs? Yes or no? Yeah, definitely I'd say yes. Uh, And this this poll question was posted when I think it had a little more 50-50 substance to it uh, before the uh, Paul George uh, speculation escalated this morning. 
uh, whether he's going to be playing in this series at all, let alone at the start of the series. But uh, you know, I think that uh, you know, if the if the I mentioned this weeks ago, it seems like weeks ago, maybe it wasn't all that many weeks ago, that uh, the, of the teams that we thought might be playing the Suns in the first round, I actually thought the Clippers would be the worst matchup. And a lot of that has to do with Paul George and uh, the fact that he's such a good perimeter defender. And I would imagine that uh, you know, there, you know, Leonard's obviously a tremendous perimeter defender also, and actually, and amazingly, uh, can actually you know, play. He can actually you know, guard guys in the post-up situations too. He's so good, and then off the dribble for that matter. But yeah, you know, he's one of the best defenders ever. But the fact that they don't have a whole lot of guys to defend perimeter players and the Suns, three of their top four you know, scorers or offensive threats or perimeter players, that's not a good matchup suddenly for the Clippers. Yeah, I'm on the side of, of yes things here. I think without Paul George especially, this makes it a way more favorable matchup for the Suns. Um, the Suns have also had some trouble against the Warriors in the past, and if Andrew Wiggins is back, that could also make it more of a challenge for the Suns. Also, in the playoffs here, especially the first round, if you have the aspirations to go deep into the playoffs, a, a championship run here, you would like to be able to get through a first round uh, with Without maybe uh, going all seven games, without maybe uh, the you had mentioned it about facing like a heat team. So like the, the physicality of something like that or just kind of the mental toll that it would take to maybe get over the hurdle with somebody else that uh, so with these two particular options, I think the lesser of the two evils would be the Clippers here. So to try to get something done in, in five, six games, that certainly helps the road ahead. So I'm on the yes side of things. I think that's a really good point by you. And uh, you know, for Suns fans uh, looking ahead, uh, assuming they get through this series, uh, I would, uh, if I'm a Suns fan, I'm rooting for the uh, the Kings and the Warriors to play seven games that go like triple overtime. Exactly, because there that might happen with no defense. <laughs> that's also <laughs> true. Yeah, let me just run up and down the floor to exhaustion for seven games. The masses, though, are in agreement. They're on the yes side of things at 80% of the vote, no trailing at 20%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question on Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Before we get to the tweet, I have someone who tweeted into the program here. Any thoughts on the abysmal attendance for the home opening series against the Dodgers of all teams? I mean, 18,000 yesterday is just awful for a team that was supposedly so much excitement for. Other than that Thursday out it looked really bad on tv and this is coming from john yeah i don't think that's that big a deal um i think yesterday had something to do with uh the you know i'm guessing that people wanted to kind of avoid the downtown crowd uh with the uh you know suns playing down the road at the same time uh so you know traffic is like a, a big deal yesterday was also easter uh, so I'm guessing that people had some family plans. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I don't think it's uh, that big a deal. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, God bless the Dodgers because uh, their fans were there, right? <laughs> All right, back into the question here, the poll question, KDOS AM 1060. Is the DVAC starting pitching good enough to maintain the team's hot start? I'd like to say yes. 
but I don't think I can uh, because you have question marks heading into the season about the bullpen and the closing roles. So that was kind of already a question mark here. But then I think Mad Bum is a weak link. Uh, then you also have some injuries that you also have the young guys that you were going to be counting on. I think it's just to be expected that there would be a little bit of inconsistency just because they're young and it's the start of their career here. So from start to start, you might not ever know what you're going to get. You hope to eventually get into a rhythm and find that consistency, but to just expect ultimate consistency right from the start, I'm not sure you can do that. Uh, in addition to that, Gallon needs to settle in a little bit here. We need. I would love to start to see uh, just uh, the Gallon of last year. So I think it might be a mixed bag of, of what we're going to see from this Diamondbacks team, but I think there's promise, but I'm not sure that we can um, rely on the pitching at this point. Yeah, I agree with all that. And actually, I kind of thought of this question before Davies went down with the injury on Saturday. I think that's a big deal. Uh, I think he's a great pitcher, but he's a, you know, certainly a valuable piece at the uh, you know, fourth, fifth starter in a rotation. Uh, and then the, the Bumgarner thing, obviously, uh, this just is not good. Uh, he got by on uh, whatever night that was, Friday night. Uh, but he also, you know, you know went, benefited along with everybody from the Diamondbacks pitching staff, pitching with a lead, basically. And they scored 31 runs in the three games against the Dodgers and the last three games of the, against the Dodgers after they got shut down by Trevor May on Thursday night. But, uh, you know, the uh, pitching staff and then you know, the, the injury situation, it may not sound like a big deal because I know Melanson wasn't very good last year and Cole, Cole Sulser, uh, you know, has had some – good and bad moments in his major league baseball career. But, you know, those two guys were being counted on for some kind of role in the bullpen. And they both got transferred to the 60 day injured list yesterday. Then they brought in Jose Ruiz from, uh, from uh, traded for him yesterday from uh, the White Sox. He was DFA last week after he had a really bad start to the season because you know, pretty much anybody that pitched for uh, the Giants last week in Comiskey Park had a bad time. We mentioned Logan Webb earlier in the hour, and he was part of that uh, demolition by the White Sox against the, the Giants in some of those games. And the Giants had some good that, – that was home run derby from basically both sides of that series. But you know, their bullpen is, uh, is a question before the season started. And uh, I think it's still a question now, and the fact that two guys you were counting on to do something uh, are now on the 60-day injured list, you know, less than two weeks into the season, that's not a good thing either. So you know, the starting staff obviously had questions. Now they have more questions, and the bullpen, same thing. The masses are in agreement as well. No, 87.5% of the vote. Yes, sitting at 12.5%. This is on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. For the Diamondbacks, though, the homestand continues. Uh, they will be starting a three-game series with the Brewers, and tonight it will be Wade Miley for the Brewers going up against Zach Gallen, 6.40 p.m. start on Valley Sports Arizona. On the other side, we wrap up today's Monday, April 10th edition of The Extra Point. He, of course, is Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. We'll do all of that fun things on the other side of the break right here on KDUS AM 1060.
Interact with Bob Kim's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. Monday, April 10th, Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you. And it's that time once again, Bob. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sip through the cracks. Also, our guest today, we covered both conferences and uh, the upcoming NBA playoffs. Uh, we had an NBA playoff preview with Mo DeKeel of The Athletic and also Bleacher Report. Mostly Western Conference stuff with Mo, a little towards the end regarding the Eastern Conference, some of his storylines. And then we talked Knicks and Nets and, you know, kinds of Eastern Conference stuff with Brian Mahoney of the Associated Press, who's based in New York City. Also, uh, sound day courtesy of Bally Sports Arizona. Also, Root Sports, uh, Amazon Prime Video, uh, Fox, ESPN, Bally Sports North, Bally Sports Indiana. WDAE and also KDKA in Pittsburgh with the uh, O'Neill Cruz injury. And uh, by the way, an update on O'Neill Cruz and his injury yesterday. Uh, the, the Pirates expected him to be out now until at least August, at least in one report I saw a few minutes ago. So uh, hopefully he'll be back quickly. But uh, you know, considering what that looked like, I guess maybe August is a is a good thing because it looked like he might be done for the season when that injury occurred yesterday against the White Sox. Also, special thanks, as always, to Kayla and Corey and Aaron. And uh, Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster-Bierstein from 5 to 6, Monday Night Golf with Ray Adams from 6 to 7, and James Out West tonight, 7 to 8 o'clock. ASU Baseball swept Washington State Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. The Sun Devils are are now 23 and 9, 10 and 2 in conference play and 17 and 3 when playing at Phoenix Muni. They will hit the road across town to face GCU on Tuesday, a contest that you can hear right here on KDUS AM 1060, kdus1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app Tuesday 6 p.m. So, Bob, uh, I got this this message here alerting me to the fact that today, because there's a day for everything, uh, today is National <laughs> Golfers Day, April 10th. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's not just celebrating the game of golf. It's celebrating the people who play the game of golf. And so uh, just looking up some factoids here, uh, the first monarch to ever play golf is when the popularity of golf began to soar after King James the Fourth of Scotland becomes the world's first golfing monarch back in the 16th century. Uh, then it ended up becoming an officially recognized sport back in 1744. So we are going far back into uh, history here. And the first ever 18-hole course is constructed uh, in 1764 at St. Andrews. The first ever 18-hole course is constructed and establishes itself for the standard of the game. So anyway, apparently it's today's uh, National Golfing Golfers Day. 
Maybe we can get a hold of McCabe and he can tell us what that was like in like 1644. <laughs> well, I'm just going to let that stand alone. Uh, that was that was mentioned there by Bob, not Kayla. Um, yeah, full disclosure, I'm older than McCabe. <laughs> you, so, there you go. Not by much, but by a couple years. Other things happening today. The Diamondbacks are hosting the Brewers. Wade Miley versus Zach Allen, 640 p.m. on Bally Sports Arizona. I had mentioned this a little bit uh, on Friday. You had touched on it earlier in the Sports Zone as well, that the report had came out last week that media rights for the Pac-12 uh, won't be coming until late spring, early summer. And it just kind of got me to thinking here. We've heard a lot about the Big 12 having some interest in trying to snatch up a few other schools and a lot back and forth about how this isn't true. I'm just wondering if the continued delay of finding a media rights deal that one uh, is in a ballpark figure of what the Big 12 is making will potentially cause some of these other schools to say, hey, maybe we really do have to look at this other offer on the table. Maybe. Uh, I think it just speaks more of uh, what the Pac-12 is going to be after the Los Angeles schools leave. I mean, uh, you know, what is the national market for the Pac-12? Well, uh, I guess if you read some of the reports uh, that ESPN is interested but not coming anywhere near um, – some of the figures that obviously the Pac-12 would like, and there was speculation that it was really unclear if it would include kind of like a current construction of games or if it would just be a 10.30 p.m. Eastern slot. So that's yeah. not great exposure for the conference. No, but I mean, you're losing the signature programs here, USC football, UCLA basketball, and you know, literally for you know more than 60 years, those have been kind of the connections. If you live east of the Mississippi, that's kind of what you knew about the Pac-12 forever. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com or with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. The Sports Zone with Bob Kemp back with you tomorrow starting at 9 a.m. Everyone have yourselves a fantastic rest of your Monday.